Good morning, Reach Church. All right. So kids who are heading to Reach Church can, uh, can head out now. And then uh, pray with me. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you that it is in Christ alone. It is by grace alone. It is grace that is enough to save us and to deliver us. And Father, we thank you. Would you give us a desire to pursue you and to love you and to, to be filled with your spirit that we may be totally satisfied in you. Father, would you use this passage to, to remind us of the great blessings that we have in you, the blessings that you have given us in your spirit, that we belong to you, that we are in the spirit, and that we are destined for resurrection life. Father, use your word. Open our hearts and eyes to receive it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we are in Romans 8 today. Uh, that's our series right now. We're in the great eight, this passage that kind of brings together all of Romans into, into one kind of final picture of the blessings of salvation that are in Christ. Now, last week we talked about the difference between being in the flesh and being in the spirit. And what we saw was that to be in the flesh is to keep pursuing salvation and the blessings of God by our own works by the law, by trying harder, and working and working and working. That's to try in our flesh to receive blessing. And then we talked about how being in the Spirit and living in the Spirit is to receive the blessings of God by faith. That is not by our works, but by grace as gifts that we are given these things. As we remember that blessings are from the Spirit, not by ourselves, that is what it means to walk in the Spirit. And so to walk in the Spirit is basically just to, to dwell on the blessings that are guaranteed in Christ. Things that can never be taken away from us. And today we're looking at three of the blessings that come with being in the Spirit. That the Spirit has come and dwelled in everyone who has had faith in Christ. And there are blessings that come with that. And if we think about these blessings, we, remember, we dwell on them and walk in the Spirit that we have these things and they empower our faith. So we're going to focus on three blessings today. We're going to focus on the blessing that if you are in the Spirit, you are, sorry, if you have the Holy Spirit, you are in the Spirit, you belong to Jesus, and you have resurrection power. In the Spirit, belong to Jesus, resurrection power, those three things. And my hope is that we, we rejoice in those things because the Spirit is perhaps one of the greatest blessings that Christ came to give us. And yet, we can kind of pass him over and, and kind of ignore these blessings. And to the detriment of our faith and our joy, we miss what these things really mean. So, let's turn to Romans 8. Only looking at a couple verses. We're going to zoom into those real, real far and uh, get as much as we can out of them. We're looking at Romans 8, uh, 9 through 11. Romans 8, 9 through 11. Uh, let's, start, let's start in verse 6, though. Verse 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it cannot submit to God's law, or it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Three blessings if we have the Spirit of God. Let's just jump right in. The first benefit of the Spirit dwelling in you is that you are in the Spirit. Verse 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now this is like, this is a natural follow-up to verse 7. The mind is governed by the flesh. It's hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. All right, so that's that's a disastrous statement right there. That if you are left to your own devices, if you are left in the flesh, not only, like, do you not please God and do you not follow his law, you cannot. You cannot and you will not and you do not. Now, that is devastating, but that is where each and every one of us is left in and of ourselves that we cannot and do not please God. And just so you, you understand this and, and feel the weight of it, let's take, take a totally innocuous good work. Just a, a really nice thing. So say you're, you're down on Route 40, and you see a homeless guy, you stop over at the Chick-fil-A, you get him, you get him a chicken sandwich, you give, him, give the guy a chicken sandwich. All right, in every respect, that is, that is just a good, nice thing to do. Right? It's Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is delicious. It's protein. It's healthy. It's a better, better option. You know, this is good stuff. All right, you're, you're doing a, It's a good thing. Now, what this is saying is that if you're doing it in the flesh, it cannot please God and does not please him. That our flesh actually twists even that nice thing and corrupts it. So maybe we're, our real heart for doing it is that well, we feel kind of guilty before God. And God says, well, no, you should do this. So, so maybe, maybe I should just do it, and then I'll, I'll feel less bad about myself. I didn't go to church last week. Like, oh, I'll just, I'll just do this. It, it'll be good. Motivated by guilt. Or maybe we just like the warm, fuzzy feeling we get, and we feel like a kind of sense of pride that, you know, I'm, a, I'm like a really nice person. I'm like one of those good people, one of the, one of the, the ones who deserve to be here. It's pride corrupting this good work. Or maybe it's so that, so that the people around like, can see that oh, I'm, I'm that kind of guy who just gives the homeless guy at Chick-fil-A. It's people-pleasing. It's, it's for other people. It's not for God. And what, what Paul is saying is that everything done in our own works, trying desperately to please God and to earn our way, is corrupted like that. There's a little twinge of it that gets polluted and convoluted so much so that we cannot please God and it doesn't please him. Even the best thing, we we have to admit, because of our hearts and because of our flesh, it's no good. Worthless. Now, that's devastating. That's devastating. And, And we're left thinking, well, how do I do anything good if that doesn't count? That's the promise that we're addressing here. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. 
What Paul is saying is that that power of the flesh, that corruption of the heart, it is broken in the spirit. That we are renewed, we are changed, so that that good thing can actually not be polluted by our hearts. Can be pure and can be good and can please him. That that happens in the spirit. Now, when I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, okay, that, that's great. What this is saying is that there's an, a new option if you're a believer. If you're in Christ, you have the option of being in the flesh, of doing good things, of pleasing God. And so you just need to choose the good option. Be in the, be in the spirit. Don't be in the flesh. Don't do it by works. Do it by grace. That's actually not what it says here. It said that in the previous verses. We, we talked about that last week. That you have this option to be in the flesh or be in the spirit. But look at what, what Paul actually says. Look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. What he's saying is that if you have the spirit of God in you, the spirit will make you walk in the spirit. That you will express your faith. That you will do good things out of joy and thankfulness and for the worship and glory of God. And to a certain extent, it's not up to you. And this is not just one more work to do that, oh, now I need to go dwell and be in the, be in the spirit and have a right heart before him. No, what this is saying is that the spirit who is in you will do that work. It is his job. And he guarantees that you will walk in the spirit. Now, we can frustrate that and we can be, we can be snotty kids about it and we can be dragged along, kicking and screaming and whining, but the Holy Spirit is going to get us to do it. That that is his promise, that is his work, it's not up to us. All right, so an analogy for this, an analogy for this. Uh, a little kid, a little kid is learning how to fish. All right, so... If you give the little kid, you say, sit him, sit him in the boat and say, okay, just catch some fish now, kid. And we say, oh, no, he can't do it. He, he's never going to catch a fish. But if you, if you give, him a, give him a fishing rod, then he's going to hold his little fishing rod, and now he can catch fish. And we make this analogy, like, oh, like the, the Holy Spirit is, is a new ability. Now you can catch fish where never you couldn't before. The problem is that little kid still can't catch fish. Because he has the, the strength and the coordination of a jellyfish. Like he's holding this little thing and he can't pay attention. He's never going to catch a fish with that thing. And so we say that. We're like, yo, you have the spirit now. Go, go and do good works. You have the option now. And we're terrible at it. And it just feels like we're defeated holding our fishing pole. But we can't catch any fish. All right. So a different analogy. Same thing though. The Holy Spirit is is the dad, the mom, sitting in, their, in the fishing boat with the kid. So the first step is to, to give the kid his like, little plastic fishing pole. But, but the Holy Spirit is watching, and he's looking, and he's, he's waiting for that tug. When the kid's light, the eyes light up and he gets all excited, there's something, there's something there. But then the fisherman comes, and he, he, he takes his hand on the pole. The little kid's pole, his hand is around there too. It is not just him doing the work. And the fisherman says, oh, reel it in, reel it in. Pull, no, don't, not too hard, no, a little, little less. 
reel it out. He's the one holding the pole and scooping it up with the net and he's doing the work. It's not just that we have the new ability, it's that the Holy Spirit goes with us and he does the work with us and for us. We are not just left there alone to deal with it ourselves. And my hope is that the Holy Spirit isn't just this like guilt trip that you guys should be better than you are. It's that you have a personal God with you, leading you and guiding you, walking you through it every step of the way. And so you are building a relationship with this person. You're talking to him. You actually enjoy being with him. And when there's fish on the line that you don't think you can catch, you cry out for help and he helps you. Because there's big fish out there. The Christian life says that we should have, have joy in suffering or peace in the midst of, of total chaos. That we should rejoice in our salvation even though there's, there's terrible things happening in our lives. We don't have the ability to draw in those fish by ourselves. And that's where there's great comfort in this passage that the Holy Spirit, he is working. And because the Holy Spirit is in you, you will live in the Spirit. That's a guarantee. Now that's very helpful for me. That it's not just me left by my own devices, it's the Holy Spirit working in you. That's the first blessing of having the Spirit dwell in you is that you are in the Spirit and no longer in the flesh. All right, that's all I want to say about that. All right, the next one, next one. Uh, <laughs> second blessing, second blessing. If you are in the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, you belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Look at the second half of verse 9. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. All right, at, fir at first glance, that's a kind of an obvious statement. Like, well, okay, if, if the Spirit of Christ isn't in you, you, you're not his, and we can kind of go on. But the other side of that is, if you have the Spirit inside of you, the Spirit dwells with you, you belong to Jesus. You belong to Jesus. And I want to make sure we understand what that means and the blessing of that. So we can talk about, uh, we talk about it usually the opposite direction. And we tell, we say, we sell, say like, get Jesus, love Jesus, pursue Jesus, believe in Jesus, unite yourself to Jesus, be in Jesus. And it starts to feel like this kind of one-sided relationship. That we're kind of the, the goofy teen, like trying to pursue this love of this person who's totally aloof and is constantly running away from us and we're just constantly running towards Jesus trying to love him. All right, this is the other side of it. That in the spirit, Jesus doesn't just tell you to, to pursue him. Jesus Christ pursues you back. That he runs after you. He grabs and takes hold of you. He chooses you. He loves you. And he does that in the spirit. Now there's two ways we can talk about that. There's kind of the, the love relationship way of talking about it or the, 
the prized possession way. The love relationship is that Jesus Christ in the Spirit pursues you as his beloved, as his bride, as his first love. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is, is the engagement ring on this whole thing. That he gives you the Holy Spirit saying, I'm committed to love you. I'm going to come back and marry you. You are mine. I am yours. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. The Holy Spirit is, is the engagement ring. And because you have the Spirit, you know he is going to love you forever. All right, there's another side of this. Uh, we could talk about being the prized possession of Jesus. The prized possession. That you are, you are the most lovely thing that Jesus possesses. And that Jesus Christ bought you with a price. That he bought you by his blood. And the Holy Spirit then is kind of his, his mark of ownership. He's the, the down payment of ownership. You know how when you sign your signature, uh, when you use a credit card, you have to sign for it? Like, I hereby agree to pay this price, and you, and you write your signature? That's the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit says, or that God says, Jesus says, those, those are all right, so that's fine. Uh, <laughs> Trinity. <laughs> uh, that, that Jesus says by the Holy Spirit, like, I'm signing my name to this person. I'm purchasing them by my blood. They are now mine. Now, that's a, that's a complicated blessing. A complicated blessing. So let's take the, the love relationship side of it. It is a great blessing to be the, the bride of Christ. But there's some sacrifices with it. If you belong to Jesus, you are not your own. You are not your own. And all of you who are married understand that. That you are not your own. That if I want to decide one weekend to go, go snowboarding in the Poconos, or, you know, like, I can't just go do that. I have to talk to Casey about that. Like, she has to come because I want her to come. It's just more complicated, you know. <laughs> I don't really like snowboarding that much, so we're good. Um, <laughs> it's cold. Uh, but, like, you can't just do that. You're not your own. And the other side of that is that no one else gets to own you. That you are in a committed relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is jealous for your love and he's not content to see you give your love to anyone else. Now that, that's not an unattractive quality of Jesus. That's that he loves as, as a spouse would love. <coughs> and he's not content with sharing his love with anyone else. And so in that sense, it's hard to belong to Jesus. But the great blessing is that, that you are the delight of Jesus. That he looks at you as the apple of his eye. He longs to be with you, to love you, to cleanse you and make you perfect, his perfect and beautiful bride. And he promises to do that by the Spirit. That's our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we've been chosen for that role. All right, then there's the other side. The other side, the, the prized possession side of it. There's a great joy in being the prized possession of Jesus. It's, there's a hardness to it, too. All right, so in Ephesians, it talks about how we are, we are the, the masterpiece 
the worksmanship of Jesus. And what that means is that, that Jesus, he is constantly, constantly refining us and changing us and chiseling away at his masterpiece until we are perfect in his sight. But let's say you're, you're restoring a vintage car. Now, if from that car's perspective, you hate that car because you're constantly destroying that car and ripping it to pieces and polishing it and shining it, but you're making it perfect. You're making it the prized possession. You are pouring your love into this car. And that's what Jesus Christ is doing to each of us. He is refining us. He is purifying us. He's proving his love even in suffering. Now, it's a very painful process. But when we step away and look at what he's doing, he is, he is pouring his love into us. He's perfecting us. He's preparing us for glory so that when he takes hold of us, he can say that this is, this is my prized possession. This is the greatest thing that I own. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead thinking that, that as the trophy, as the gold medal of this act, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you, my people, my prized possession, and I'll possess you forever. The Holy Spirit makes that happen. Now, do you want to be the beloved of Jesus? And be careful. Do you really want to be? It's hard. Do you want to be the prized possession? Are you willing to be refined? Thankfully, there's one, more, there's one more promise with this. There's one more promise. Uh, I'll, I'll use this, this, this analogy. Do you ever play the game where you talk about, like, if, if the house were on fire and you could save one thing, what would you save? All right, and the, the, first, the first part of it is the mo moms never like that game because uh, they're always like, oh, I'd save you. And then, you know, and you're like, uh. Like, okay so, so, okay, so all the kids get out alive. Like, they, mom, you ruined the game. Um, <laughs> all right, so, so that, that's good for us. Like, we naturally want to save our beloved. We save our, our spouse and our kids. Like, that's good. All right. But like, what, what is your prized possession that you would save? The one thing you get to take out of the burning building. You guys are all talking to each other. Good, good, good. All right. You are Jesus' prized possession. Then in the judgment fire, Jesus Christ chose you and snatched you out of the flames. That the one thing he could save was you and he did it. And even more, he, was, he, was, he got burned in the process. He pushed you out of the flames to, to perish himself. You are his prized possession. And so, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. That you will, you will see death, but Jesus Christ will, will save you from the flames of death. He will not let you perish. He will not abandon you. He has put too much work and love and devotion and care into you. He will never abandon you or forsake you. And he does that by the Spirit. He is guaranteed it in the Spirit. He is in you in the Spirit. 
Before in Romans 1, it was talking about, you know, if you're in Jesus, if you're in Jesus, well, this is turning around and saying, well, Jesus is now in you. By the Spirit, Jesus turns around and says, well, I'm going to get in you and save you. We belong to Jesus by his Spirit. That is a great blessing. All right, last blessing. Last blessing. We are promised resurrection power. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If the spirit is in you, that same spirit rose Jesus from the dead. That's what this is saying. That God the Father gave the spirit to Jesus Christ, his eternal son, so that that spirit could raise Jesus from the dead. That God did it once and he will do it again in each one of you. That God will not let you perish. That you are guaranteed because the spirit is in you, you don't have to raise yourself, you will be raised to eternal life. And that's where this all comes, this all swirls together in that we are waiting for the the redemption of our souls, we are waiting for the resurrection. That in this life, we are this masterpiece being beaten up and carved and chiseled and polished. But when the time comes, we will be a beautiful masterpiece where all of this inward struggle will be outward and we'll be the beautiful masterpieces in the new heavens and new earth. And that we who belong to Jesus will be with Jesus. And we will know and experience that love one-on-one to be with the one who loves us. To worship the one who delights in us. To praise the one who sings songs of joy over us. That is guaranteed in the spirit. There's nothing you can do against that. That is a promise and we will get there. All right. Three promises. We have life in the spirit. We belong to Jesus. We'll be raised to eternal life. Now, the question on your mind should be, there's an if in every one of these statements. If you have the spirit, if the spirit dwells in you. How do you know if you have the spirit, if these are actually your promises? Are these promises for you or for other people? All right, it is not if you are a good person. That is not the qualifier. If you're a nice person, if you go to church every week, if you try hard, those are not the qualifiers. The qualifier is not if you have spoken in tongues ever. All right, that's also not one of the qualifiers. Never says that. All right, there's, there's one, one qualifier to say, you know what, I have the Spirit. And that's if, if you believe nothing but Jesus. If you believe that you are saved, not by your works, but by Jesus' work, nothing but Jesus' work. If you believe that your salvation, your relationship with God, is not because of what you have done, but the grace, the free gift of nothing but Jesus. That this is a package deal. If you have faith in Christ, if you're looking to, to grace and the beauty of the cross, the promise is you get the Spirit. 
package deal. You don't get one without the other. And in fact, if you do have faith in Christ, if you do kind of look at the cross of Jesus and you see how beautiful it is, that is evidence that the Spirit is already inside of you. That only those who have the Spirit see the beauty of Jesus and don't just see him as a dead carpenter nailed to a cross. That your love for Jesus is proof that the Spirit is in you. So the question is, do you, is your faith in Jesus? Are you receiving salvation as a gift or as a work? Is it by grace that you are saved or by faith? Or, and by faith. <laughs> if you can say that, if you say that I'm saved by grace, if I put my faith in Jesus, you have the Spirit. And the Spirit is promising these things. That you belong to him that he is working in you, that he's going to raise you from the dead. All right, practically, what do we do with this? What do we do with this on a very practical level? In one sense, nothing. You don't have to do anything. It's just a promise. All you have to do is enjoy it and, and love Jesus because of all he's done for you. And we're called to worship our hearts out. I'll give you a second thing, though. I'll give you a second thing. Second thing is, Look for the work of the Spirit. If you have any love for Jesus, it is, it is the work of the Spirit. If you sin and can still say, no, it's the cross that covers me. I'm still good with God. That is the Spirit. If you can say what we said last week, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. If, it's, if you believe that, that is the Spirit. If you can say, I belong to Jesus, that is the Spirit. And so look for his work. Listen for his voice. Look for the things that he is doing. Because he promises to work even in spite of us. And take joy that he promises to do so. Let's pray. Father, we, we are a, a cold-hearted people in our sin and in our flesh. And so, Father, we ask that Spirit, even as we talk about the blessings that come in you, that you would open our hearts to receive these blessings. Would you help us to, to live in you, to walk in you, to rejoice in grace and faith that it is by Jesus that we are saved and nothing else. Holy Spirit, thank you for being our guarantee and our deposit that we belong to Jesus. Father, I ask that you give us great contentment in belonging to Jesus, that we would long to, to belong to no other. That we could take great delight in our bride, our, our bridegroom, and in our owner. And Father, would you give us great expectancy and joy in the prospect of, of being with you in heaven, that this new heavens and new earth is guaranteed to us. Father, we are overwhelmed by your great grace for us. That you just pour upon your blessings and just call for us to worship and enjoy you. Father, would you help us to, to worship you well now? We pray in Christ's name.